Hey there, my name is Leela from The Damn Truth. You're listening to Jay Scott on The Hook Rocks. What's going on? Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott, taking you on another rock and roll journey today. We always offer music commentary, great music interviews like the one we have today. Before we begin, we'd just like to remind you that we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the music network of podcasts. You can enjoy other podcasts as well, like Vinny Apice and Carmen Apice on their Hanging and Banging podcast. Uh, you can enjoy the Shout Out Loudcast, the KISS podcast with my boys Tom and Zeus, Cobras and Fire, Martin Popoff, and Mistress Carrie out there in Boston. She does a great job as well. You can catch all the Hook Rocks podcast episodes, old and new. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us wherever you do listen, write us a review if you're so inclined. We always enjoy the feedback. And uh, we'd like to continue to be an escape for you. It is hot out there all over the country. So hope you're staying cool. I know it's 4th of July weekend. I know everyone wants to be out and about, but with the rising temperatures all over, be safe, be cool, and try to have a good time. But nonetheless, I'd like to welcome in our next guest, two guests that I'm excited to have, a band that I've been listening to with the nudge of my young 16-year-old son who keeps telling me, and I agree with him, how great this band is from Canada. The band is Crownlands, and my guests are Kevin and Cody. Hey, doing good, man. How are you? (laughs) Doing well. Excited to do this, like I mentioned, and uh, looking forward to learning more about you guys today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive in, man. Let's, uh, let's get the chat a rolling. We (laughs) always start the same way every time we have a first time guest on the podcast. And that is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every Mm -hmm. rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band or performance that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it for you? For me, it was uh, 2112 by Rush. I, I got that. Uh, my, my dad actually played that for me when I was about like two years old in my basement. He's a drummer and he played that the whole way through. And then afterwards I discovered the album and that changed my life. It set me on the path to become the drummer I am today. And you, Kevin? Sick. 
Yeah, um, it's it's another rush story, Jay. Not surprising at all. Um, I think I was 14 years old, and uh, I downloaded "A Farewell to Kings" by Rush, and I was out riding my bicycle in the early springtime. And the opening, like pastoral lines, have uh, birds chirping because Terry Brown, uh, the producer, decided to record most of that record outside. And you know, you end up hearing all of these cool birds in the background. And I was just really taken by that. It was the first time I really heard anything like that in music. And then, of course, then the whole band kicks in, and uh, it was magical. And it, yeah, it changed my life, and it kind of set me on the path of to uh, meet Cody. And now here we are doing some pretty cool shit. When did it become, when, when did it go from hearing Rush and being inspired to want to play rock music to forming a band and wanting to play on stage for people? I think we both have different like stages here. Um, but for myself, um, I knew that I wanted to play music since I was, since like before I could form articulate sentences <laughs> like I, I knew um i've been playing i think we're still there like yeah yeah i'm still here <laughs> Jeez. um so yeah since i was like one i was playing uh i was playing drums and it wasn't until i was 16 that i was in a band and then i met kevin at 19 and then we uh started taking oh, it no, to the code, next code, level code. Yo, we, we met when you were 18. We were gigging in bars and you weren't even legal oh, to be in there. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's so true. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> one extra year with Kev that I forgot about. Yeah. Um, the the last yeah, year. <laughs> the last year. Yeah, like we've just been grinding, man. And it's been a, it's been a great ride. But like I knew that I wanted to do music since i was very very young and it was pretty serious about it my parents didn't believe me and they were like you gotta go to university and get a get a job and then i went to university studied some music and then i ended up dropping out and made this happen yeah well so cody's really sweet by saying they dropped out it was really because like i kept booking tour after tour during cody's exam periods which like i mean (laughs) Like, you know, in Canada, you have a very narrow window of time where you can actually drive on the roads and not, you know, uh, be driving on just a skating rink. And so, you know, the ideal time to tour is the springtime. Uh, otherwise, summer is festival season, right? So springtime is also when all the exams are. So I think Cody was just, you know, getting uh, pummeled with uh, touring <laughs> dates rather than exam dates. And so Cody's yeah. very sweet to say they, uh, <laughs> uh, they dropped out. It was more like, uh, you know, it was, it, it, it was like it was... the ultimate class distraction, like the <laughs> ultimate class clown. It was your ultimate heist, Kev. <laughs> but honestly, my heart wasn't in it for the degree. It was in it for the music. So mm. I think we all know that was happening. Yeah. That being said, though, we just actually finished making a record. Um, using a lot of like traditional African percussion and like Afro-Cuban patterns and Cody studied yeah. that. So, Hey, it came in handy after all. Right? Don't let, <laughs> it certainly did. You know, don't <laughs> let school get in the way of your education. You know, it seems like oh, uh, no. all of that knowledge has indeed paid off. You might not have the piece of paper, but Hey, you got some pretty knowledge, cool man. records down, you know, you got the knowledge. And <laughs> so what else, you know, what yeah. else do you really no. need, you know? Absolutely. I regret nothing, honestly. And like, if you're going to school for anything, you know, learning something that you're interested in is 
paramount. If you're not interested in what you're learning, then why are you there? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's just yeah. my personal philosophy. And uh, yeah, even though I didn't didn't graduate, um, I still have a lot of knowledge, and I learned a lot about myself. You know, studying psychology and music. Obviously, psychology you learn a lot about yourself. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, that was a long winded tangent about how I kind of ended up here. Kev, you go for it, yeah. man. Yeah. So also just got to say with Cody's psychology info, don't get into an argument with Cody. Trust me. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was, what was the question, Jay? <laughs> where, from, where to go from, from, you know, falling in love with rock music, getting hooked on rock music to wanting yeah. to perform on stage as a band. Right. Um, well, again, like personally, like, um, my parents were so kind to buy me a bass guitar when I was 11 years old. So it set me on the path perfectly to become obsessed with Rush because Getty Lee is the master. And, you know, like I, I dove into that world and I think, you know, it's like I, I learned how to play, uh, hot cross buns on the bass like the first night I got it because my sister was, you know, uh, playing flute at that point that was one that we could jam hot cross buns together and then the <laughs> next day i think my dad taught me how to play all along the watchtower so you know three great chords and that's all you really need and that was the point like i think like you know the first day i even picked up a bass guitar i was like yep this is it this is everything else kind of melted away you know i mean that was i was just coming out of my dinosaur phase you know and i think the music <laughs> thing just you know uh latched right onto that pretty quickly um, yeah, he used to be a dinosaur. I used to wild. be a dinosaur. Yes, you know, I, I still, I still feel like it. You know? Um, you know, every day because it's full circle, baby. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like, I think it was, yeah, like the first day I learned how to play an instrument, and ever since then, it's been like this obsessive mission. But um, I, too, studied um, music in university. I studied classical music. Uh, and then uh, I don't know what I did. I probably read too much Jack Kerouac. And I, um, I hitchhiked uh, from Toronto to L.A. And I joined a reggae band. And I learned so much uh, gigging with them across California. And that was the moment because I wasn't really sure if I wanted to be a band at that point, if I wanted to be a music teacher, if I wanted to go, you know, further into like the uh, musicology world and uh, like, yeah, spending um, like about a year down there really changed my life. And I realized I had to be a, a, a gigging musician, a touring man. And then uh, I, you know, I took some time off from that band to visit my family for Christmas. And uh, that was the day I met Cody. Uh, I crashed an audition <laughs> for um, this other band that Cody was playing drums in. And my buddy, uh, you know, so Cody was looking for a guitar player. And, um, uh, to, you know, my buddy was like, hey, you know, you should come along. I hear these guys are big Rush fans. And so I, you know, I crashed... <laughs> Yeah, I crashed the audition. I, I, I moon Cody because uh, I had a rush tattoo <laughs> on my butt. And then it was like one of those stepbrothers moments. Like, did we just become best friends? Yup. Yup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, what a wild um, inception. As far as writing music, was, was there an artist or was there a song that really connected with the both of you? And, you know, either lyrically or musically that really influenced you in writing music? 
Xanadu virus. Yeah, I was I was literally gonna say the same thing, dude. I was like, yep, Xanadu instantly. It's like that yeah uh, song is magic. It is magic in in an oral form. It is so beautiful. Everything about that song feels so mystical. It's like a it's like the closest thing to a sacred text to follow. <laughs> Wow, that's beautiful, Code. Yes, it, it is. It's like, that's the blueprint. That's the archetype of like, that is the greatest song ever recorded. It's like, and the story behind that song, it was like the three of them cut the bed tracks live off the floor in the first take. And it was just a sound check take to like, make sure the mics yeah. were all working. And it was like, oh, okay. If that's like the first song recorded in that session, can you imagine what that session must have felt like? Like the brimming optimism yeah. of that? Like, yeah. wow. Yeah, getting off, coming off the back of that. And if, and, and and if not for just its you know incredible musicality, it, the way it makes you feel above all else is something mm. that we really um, you know look for in our own music. We look for how this song makes you feel, and yeah. and it's uh you know it's it's awesome. Yeah, you can go on about it, that yeah. for. And, and it's and it starts out with all these nature sounds with birds. And I think that probably influenced us young, too, because Cody and I are like, you know, we are people of the woods through and through. Yeah, and I like think I like, camp every year. Yeah. Uh, like who knows like i wonder what you know even if like all of the uh the accidental birds that are in that recording too you know if that influenced us to like you know a more like lifestyle route instead of a musical route i wonder yeah, that song you, has influenced me in more than just a musical sense yeah even in uh even in terms of like my writing you know like i i birthed like this whole like science fantasy universe from listening to that song i don't know if you knew that cut that's but sick. I didn't. That, that I song see. in Fountain of Lamna. Yeah. Those two Jay, songs inspired me. That's sick. Jay, you and I are learning stuff about Cody together today. I love it. You know? so, imagine, <laughs> imagine if we weren't doing this interview. I know. I know. I know. I, I'd be <laughs> in the dark still, man. <laughs> but yeah, I've been That's working sick. on this, this science fantasy world for the last 10 years. And it, it came from that one day. I was just listening to that and was really inspired. And then kind of you know made my own thing from it. But yeah, infinitely inspiring. Yeah, that song is magic. When you guys do write music, you know, in terms of li- lyrics, you do write about observations and you do write about, you know, the experience of other people. And you also write a lot about how, you know, nature is very important to both of you. Where does that stem from? Where does that come from? I think it comes from many places, but for me, um, you know, I, I'm indigenous and I've always been very connected to the land growing up. Um, I grew up in the city, but I had a lot of uh, opportunity to be uh, um, off grid and and uh, and more on, you know, reserves. And, and I had a little a little cottage that I'd go up to growing up. And and I spent a lot of time there and my family would go camping every year. And I, I have a lot of deep respect and adoration for nature and i feel like it's the most free uh, a human being can be and so i feel like that's uh that's definitely where it comes from and it's kind of intrinsic to my my soul my being i just did a epic two-hour interview with george lynch and he did this documentary called shadow nation which is about the Native american community and we really dove into like his work and his, you know, support of the Native American community and where that documentary came from. It was an interesting conversation, an interesting perspective from someone who's very similar to you guys who, you know, um, 
is very connected to the Native American community. And he's also, I mean, he's, he's done tours and he's, he's like, uh, you, you know, quick camping trips, you know, in between each date. And he travels like in a camp or something. <laughs> it's really interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we should totally do that. We've, we've joked about that. Like, you know, instead of doing hotels, just, yeah, just go camping and stuff. But again, like the reality of Canadian touring, Jay, is, uh, it's very, very cold country. (laughs) It can be. Yeah. Yeah. Not ideal for touring. (laughs) No. You know, you've written songs about indigenous people and, you know, the, the, the connection you mentioned that you have with that, you know, community and, and with, with those people, um, is it important for you to give them a voice when you're writing the music? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not even necessarily giving them a voice. They have a voice. We're just kind of taking these issues and we're, you know, we're elevating them and we're putting them to the forefront using our platform to, to amplify these voices and these messages that need to be heard. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, giving our namesake and me being Mi'kmaq, it's kind of something that just has to happen. You know, it's, it's not, it's not really an option. It just is, uh, it's what you do. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, it was kind of a decision for day one, you know, that's why we're called crown lands, which is, um, uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are American. So like, like, I know you guys are kind of separated from the monarch, but in Canada, Crown Land is referred to as land that's still kind of owned and regulated by the monarch. And on that land is where uh, most of uh, Indigenous uh, reservations are. And it's just, um, a, and a lot of these reserves don't even have clean drinking water right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we're, we're just for clear cutting forest and oil, oil extraction. And oil fracking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it, Canada, is you know it's basically three uh you know resource extraction companies stacked on each other wearing a trench coat that's basically all this you know this country is and it's very very young and it's it you know it was founded on genocide and we're trying to like help bring that you know to the forefront and you know some people uh you know lo- love to kind of like clap back and be like hey stay in your lane or whatever and it's like well it's literally like what we yeah and like you know it's kind of like my duty as an ally to like help you know bring that because it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic you know i'm i'm white and cody's indigenous and so it's like we do have a very very unique platform to be able to be heard louder than a lot of other people right now especially being like a somewhat mainstream rock band and we get a lot of people coming to us at the end of shows or messaging us it's like you know what like I didn't actually know about this. This is really interesting. And like a lot of news has been coming to light right now for the mainstream. Obviously, you know, Canada's always known about this. The church has always known about this. Um, but a lot of uh, residential schools, I believe they're called um, boarding schools in America, but it's all the same thing, right? Where basically um, indigenous kids were, were stolen from their families and um, like, uh, forced to assimilate into white, you know, Eurocentric culture. And then otherwise, if, if they didn't conform, they were, um, like, I don't want to like trigger people, but they were, you know, these kids yeah, were, were, were beaten and murdered and yeah. that thousands of, of kids. And so uh, it's, it's, you should put really a trigger sad. warning there for sure. 
Yeah. Like, uh, it's, and it, that's the reality of what this, you know, what, what these two countries in North America were built upon. And so, you know, we're trying to use our art to talk about that and help elevate, uh, you know, this message that m- people would gladly look away from otherwise. Right. But then all of a sudden when like this band that they enjoy is talking about it, it's harder to turn away from. And then all of a sudden when they realize their song that they're really into is talking about that, it's harder to turn away from. And so, uh, and maybe it to... gets them speaking about these issues at home exactly. and then more people understand and learn about these, you know, these things because, you know, nobody wants to admit to the great shame that is the inception, the, the conception of these nations, but it's, it's something that is necessary if there's going to be reconciliation with indigenous people and indigenous communities that, you know, live on sovereign lands in many parts of this country and are a big part of the conservation of our environment moving forward. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, it is, um, it's interesting. It's you know horrifying at the same time to learn about these mm-hmm. things, but you know, yeah. you can only truly be a healthy nation is if you really do confront your past, yep. being yeah. the good and the bad. And, yeah. you know, you, you really need to know about these things and, and learn about these things. And part of the discussion I had with George, like I mentioned, is how some of the stuff is never even taught in schools. Yeah. So yeah. when you do <laughs> see, you know, Native Americans and them, them struggling and, you know, them fighting for their, their, their land, whether it's the Dakota Access Pipeline protest and mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, it's hard to be sensitive to that if you don't know about their struggle and if you don't know what really Mm -hmm. really happened to these people. And that's by design, you know, like that's not some accident. Like there's a reason why, you know, people are educated. Yeah. People are educated into a certain stream, right? Like I was 18 years old before I, I, even read about a residential school and the last one closed when I was three years old. You know, it's just an ancient history, right? And it's like, you know, the, the Holocaust happened in the forties. And, you know, that is something that, you know, people today are still living with. So what, like, what the fuck do you think is happening right now? And like the, you know, the intergenerational suffering, uh, and trauma that people have gone through, uh, with, with yeah. residential schools and boarding schools in, uh, in North America. And it's, it's, it's so sad. Cause again, like that, this is just one arm of um a really long-standing uh it's, it's, sorry it's, it's just one tool of oppression that you know these countries have used you know and like this yeah. this is like the most like pa- like palatable tool to some people right you know it's like whereas like the actual outright violence that has been inflicted on these people like is still not even being talked about either and yeah, and Cody brought up a really important point to recognize that there are a lot of sovereign nations within America and Canada where a lot of these people never signed treaties. It's not actually America. It's not actually it's Canada. Not. It's their own land. And yeah. people are, you know, cutting down forests on their land and stuff. And so we talk, we're, we're looking to make more songs to talk about all of these issues. And, uh, and to have some sort of rallying cry to know that, hey, like, you know, people are backing this from an entertainment standpoint. And then a lot of people can, you know, get the message out there in different ways because it's a real, it's a real battle. It's a real struggle. And it's, uh, something we should all really think about because the more we think about it and the more we talk about it, the more we're able to actually take tangible action. Yep. Beautifully said, Code. 
Yeah, because again, like we don't have any real answers. We're just here to kind of like help educate people and like bring to light some of this stuff. And you know, hopefully, the people that do have the tools that can make that change will hear it and be like, "Huh, okay," and then you know, get to work. But you know, uh, we aren't going to magically make a huge difference. But if we can make a little difference in a few people, that can then go on and make a big difference. That's kind of that's that's by me. Yeah, yeah. You have the new song White Buffalo coming out in a couple of weeks. What what does White Buffalo mean to both of you? So the symbolism of the White Buffalo is strength and prosperity and manifestation. And basically, we look to White Buffalo as this song of manifesting a future of what we hope to happen for Indigenous people which is, you know, to come, to come back and rise up, reclaim the land with, you know, with pride and, and unity. So it's, you know, it's, um, it's something that tells, it links the past into the future as a bridge where in our other songs about indigenous rights, we talk about the past and then the present, but this is a, a bridge from the bygone to the future. Nice. And yeah, through it, you know, we walk through time to a place where we hope to manifest. Yeah. Like we, we, again, like musically, we always love like connecting themes like throughout our discography. So that way, um, you know, there's this kind of like beautiful continuity and we recognize like our first song that we really sat down and, and tried to write from, from the perspective um and uh the themes of of indigenous people was mountain where it talks about like you know the the horrors of colonization and then on our last record uh we wrote end of the road about um the missing and murdered indigenous women uh women and children and two-spirit people along the highway of tears in bc and so that's kind of like addressing what is still ongoing um and now white buffalo is kind of yeah as cody said manifesting the future so hopefully you know, it'll help, uh, inspire, uh, people to, yeah, like rise up and band together. Yeah. When you're writing music, you know, such as white Buffalo and these topics that you were discussing now, how, how is, how do you connect with these stories? How do you connect with these lyrics? Um, is it difficult for you guys to process all this as you're writing about this history? Well, the way it comes out is pretty natural. When we come together and make music, sometimes it's really thought out and methodical and on the musical front. But when it comes mm-hmm. to the lyrics and the messaging, what we do is we play the music over and over and I'm singing um, unintelligible melodies most of the time or what I'm feeling from my heart and maybe my subconscious, you know, when a word comes out and like Kevin and I, record this and we listen back and we're like, Hey, this sounds like you're saying this. Okay. Oh yeah, this is great. But other times like, um, so mountain came out like that. And other times it's like, we are playing together, we're jamming and then we're singing live. I'm singing live in the room and we just know what it's about. And end of the road kind of came together that way. And it's like, yeah, okay. This is, this sounds like it's about, the missing murdered indigenous women, children and two spirits. Like, let's make a song about this. This is it. And it just, the message just kind of comes to you. But with white Buffalo, it was interesting because uh, that came together over a longer period of time. And um, 
we knew the music way before what we uh, we knew the messaging we knew the we knew like the symbology almost like we knew that it was like this big powerful stomping unrelenting force and it could be like a yeah, really good the, the music sounded bass. like a giant animal kind of like stomping yeah. through already for sure yeah and so we just kind of put the pieces together and i mean quick quickly found a cool uh a cool way to integrate this into our into our saga about indigenous rights and you know the rest is kind of history you just go with the flow with it and it's kind of hard to explain the process because it's it's so like there and it's not there it's very fickle it's like it comes from all all places but uh to those who are creatives they'll understand (laughs) it's you know it's it's interesting every time you know i talk to someone about their music style and writing music. It's, it's, it's always, I, I love it because it really, you know, tells me the differences and how, in, how things from either music can influence them or the outside world can influence them. And also, you know, not just lyrically, but, you know, the music in itself sets the tone of the song, it creates that, that yeah. feeling of what you're listening to. And, you know, it all yes. has to merge together. And, you know, when you guys are putting that, together those songs together you know what comes first the lyrics or the music or how does that oh, all music 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 always. is the base yeah music is yeah. like this the the onions and garlic <laughs> to which all other pieces come together <laughs> i'm hungry music, now yeah. music is like onions <laughs> <laughs> no shrek references don't oh, take no. it there you know there's lots of layers you know but no for real like i mean i feel like like yeah like the, the base of music is always the music right i mean mm-hmm. that makes sense i mean it's uh, <laughs> that's how we do it anyway yeah yeah but you and, know again, we, like, we've it's had outliers of, but yeah 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 but for like 99.9 percent of the time like the song will will take shape and it will give us a certain feeling in the room and then we'll track it and then we'll start laying down like you know lyrical melody ideas and whatnot but it's kind of like um i don't know if you ever got into talking heads jay but um uh that that was the way david byrne used to write uh lyrics and stuff it's like they'd lay all the music down and that's why their biggest record is called speaking in tongues uh because that's all david byrne would do he just like, keep speaking gibberish until he found a word that sounded like you know oh yeah that's what this song sounds like and then kind of start building off from there and it's very organic like that with cody and i too whereas you know cody will just be like you know singing some sick melodic shit and the word will melodies, slip out yeah. there and uh all of a sudden you know all of a sudden the title will show up or something you know i yeah. find like um it's weird it's like if i'm if i write the majority of a chorus cody will usually write the majority of the verses and then vice versa i find if like cody comes in with the chorus like i and like i can kind of fill the other holes of of you know the other parts and it kind of it's like it's it's a really good patchwork (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's never like a cody song and a kevin song like very rarely you know like it's very it's usually it's like yeah like every other word almost kind of like this interview (laughs) yeah exactly we're always back and forth but um yeah when we come when it comes to music uh making the creation process i usually value like the melodies and I want to get the melodies strong first and the words can, you know, if we don't have a a theme Mm. yet, it's, it's okay. And I can just work with that and I can just get the emotionality of, 
and in in the interplay of the melodies and the music working and jiving and then when we insert words you know it changes further but it's like until Mm. that comes i'm only really concerned about making really strong melodies as far as evolving as artists how do you guys maintain your evolution and journey as musicians from song to song, from record to record? Is that something that you're conscious about is, you know, exploring, you know, avenues of music that maybe, you know, you're not now and you want to get into and you want to incorporate in your music. And so your fans can hear it. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah, it's a hundred, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like just recently we finished this, this record that is, instrumental and i'm playing indigenous flutes on it and and all sorts of afro-cuban percussion and african percussion and marimbas and and shit like that so it's like we're always pushing the envelope of what we can do and what we want to to do with our band we don't want it to just be limited even in within the scope of rock you know like genres can be fluid and we we like to embrace all of that stuff and music good music is good music and i think if we can explore multiple avenues that is, you know, two big thumbs up for me because I just love good music and Kevin just loves good music and we want to explore what we can do together. Yeah, like I think, yeah, Cody, you nailed it. Like good music absolutely transcends genre. And I think that we are slowly building Crownlands out to a point where we can do that. And I think like patience is key in this, Jay, because like mm-hmm. when we started out as a band, like we were just total prog rock nerds and we still very much are. Oh um, yeah. But we really had to pace ourselves at the beginning and kind of meet people halfway and recognize that if we show up out of the gate with a 14 minute song <clears throat> about witches, people are going to freak them out. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> and so um, we've slowly kind of been building out this sort of like cinematic world as well. Like oh, with yeah. pieces that are connected. Um, like, so, um, context uh is probably our high watermark up to this point um at least uh, that's been released and that's really really special project that we worked on with you know terry brown nick raskulinitz dave bottrell then we made the music video with blake mawson who's an amazing director up here in canada um yeah he's really really building up like a really special story and it's nice that we get to be a part of that but he Mm -hmm. actually ended up bringing a few elements into this video that really kind of uh as we were writing this next record that we just recorded with david bottrell um it actually kind of was a strike of inspiration and now we have a new song coming out uh in a couple weeks called the the oracle and that kind of is like the backstory of the space uh, alien queen in our video for context. So I love the fact oh, yes. that we're kind of like <laughs> connecting all of these threads. And, um, and we... <laughs> you know, because like yep. this is the stuff that Cody and I live for when we get into a band. You know, Cody's really into King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard who do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, a lot of conceptual stuff. So needless to say, we have arrived at the 14-minute Ice Witch song. And it is coming yes. out. <laughs> yeah, so if we've done it, we've done it. So it's like I think it's, it's really We're important here. to like you can like pace yourself and like not try and like run before you can walk. But I think that we are you know, we're slowly paying our dues and really kind of becoming the band that we've always wanted to be. And that band that we want to be is the band that we've always wanted to see, which was a, you know, a band that's just, you know, fearlessly doing really complex music while like maintaining a good sense of melody and songwriting. 
And that's a, yeah. that's a challenge in itself, man. Like trying to yeah. balance out like sweet seven, eight riffs. And then like, how do you lay down a good vocal hook on top of that? Yeah. Or, or how it's, do you, how do you sing over 13? How, how do you do that? But you know, you tune, try to tune in next so... week and listen to like <laughs> Buffalo and you'll find out. <laughs> or like, you know, like how do you, how do you make that so that people aren't absolutely walking away with like pounding headaches and not wanting to listen to it? Cause I remember when Kevin got me into King Crimson, I put on, I put on discipline and it took me three listens. And the first listen, I got a pounding headache. I was like, man, this is so cool. But like, man, it my hurts. head hurts. <laughs> and it was after the, and then I just kept coming back like some sort of masochist. And <laughs> yeah. It's like, and, how do you make, how do you make complex music that doesn't hurt and makes you feel good? It makes you want to move. Like that is a, yeah. that's tricky. And that's what that's, we want to do. And so like, that's the band we want to kind of, you know, be it's it's a it's a fine line to, to tread, but you know, I think it's possible. I remember when my sixteen year old who who was probably twelve at the time, I was in the car with him and I had twenty one twelve the C D in my car. Yes. He was looking at the back, he's like, Wait, this song is twenty one minutes long? And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. And he's like How's a song? How's a song that long? And like, he's like, we gotta listen to this. <laughs> yeah, like it's just an, ex- your, it's like, an experience. You in. Yeah, yeah, it really is an experience. Yeah, I think. Well, m- music is a funny thing where you get out what you put into it, and like, Rush is not a very immediate band for a lot of people, right? It's a slow burn, and it's like the more work you put into like learning and like really feeling a song, the more you're gonna love it, you know. And I think that's like. I want to make music like that, that like, you know, keeps giving to people year after year as they keep listening to it and finding yeah, maybe they, Easter eggs. Yeah. They hear something they never did before and they just fall in love with it deeper. So that's definitely what we want to do. I got in a rush and, and how I was exposed to them was my, my friend was a huge rush fan and he <laughs> said, don't focus on the voice, focus on the lyrics. Nice. And it worked. Like I started reading the lyrics as I was listening and it, it opened up like a whole new appreciation for the band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there aren't a whole lot of bands that you want to be reading the lyric sheet. Uh, you know, it's just a whole lot of Hey Babies and Hey Mamas. And it's like, okay, these guys. The, these, yeah. The, the that's just legit. It. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like, you know, they're a thinking person's band, you know? Yeah. And I think we want to do that too, is like spur on yeah. like conversation and, and thought and, you know, make people move and think. And, you know, that's a tricky, again, a tricky balancing act for sure. As you move forward as Crownlands as a band recording new music, what's in store for your fans in the, in the future for like the next year oh man a lot of albums and a tour or two i feel yeah so <laughs> yeah so on the a lot of albums so like it's like it's weird thing where it's like we do less large albums but more often and so i think you know all of my favorite records seem to be hovering around the half hour mark you know like all the great super tramp genesis rush um yes uh, Crimson, all of their best records seem to be quite short in length, but they were putting out, you know, one or two records every year, you know, instead of like 
I find what rock and roll just got so stale when everyone started putting out, you know, 12 song records that were an hour and a half long and three songs were good. And then they toured for two years and then they burnt themselves out. So they couldn't go and create stuff. Right. And like, we don't want to make records for the CD format. And I think, you know, all, a lot of rock bands are kind of like turning their nose up and embracing streaming platforms, but we're seeing it as an opportunity to like make shorter records more often, which allows us to really fully dive into a concept or a theme or, you know, a writing style and really explore it to its fullest potential and then put it down, move on and then dive into another world. Just as we have, like we made this really cool progressive mathy record with David Bottrell. And then as soon as we finished that, we went and made an instrumental uh, meditation record that was embracing traditional indigenous music and my love of ambient synths and guitars. And I don't yeah. know what we're going to do after this. You know, I think we're going to go do like a make our own live in the studio session record to, you know, show how many instruments can two people play in a room at once and we will figure it out and record yeah. it and release <laughs> it and then move on from that. And, you know, that's more new dreams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah different, just, different concepts. Even I'm, I'm really into King Desert. Um, as Kevin mentioned earlier, and I really, what I love about them is they're, they're not afraid to just completely embrace a concept and follow it through for a complete record. And I think that'd be really cool to explore our own, um, mm-hmm. concepts and adhere to them throughout little, you know, su- song, uh, music capsules, like these shorter, smaller releases. Um, and really just explore different ideas because we're, you know, we're both music heads. We both like a lot of different kinds of music. And this kind of allows us to, it, it affords us the freedom of exploring these different things without taking too much of a, you know, a big overall uh, overarching risk. Well, Kevin, Cody, it's been a pleasure had doing this interview, talking with you guys, learning more about you. I, my level of coolness with, with uh, my 16-year-old has definitely increased because of this interview. I will say that. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. I'm so glad to be here, man. Thank you so much for having us. Well, thank you again, guys. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Jay. Cheers, man. All right, everybody. That's Kevin and Cody from Crownlands. Look for their new song, White Buffalo, on July 8th. Also, check out their past catalog, too, as well. You will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. My name is Jay Scott. Once again, this is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong, and we will talk again soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.